This is a test of the Kaiju Emergency Alert System. This is only a test. In the event of an actual Kaiju attack, the signal you just heard would be followed by emergency information, news, or instructions. I repeat, this is only a test. We now return you to regularly scheduled programming. Welcome to episode 88 of the KaijuCast, a bi-monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and I am here for your journey uh, in this extremely long episode because, like I said, it's the Kaiju discussion episode, and we are going to be talking about Pacific Rim. And not only did we have a great turnout for people coming out to see the advanced screening that we got to go to, but this is a record-shattering episode of the Kaiju Cast because we got way, way more user reviews sent in than ever before. I think the grand total, even including people who uh, unfortunately missed the deadline, uh, I want to say it was around 35. So, holy smokes. Well done, everybody, on that. We're going to be talking, like I said, at length about this in just a few minutes, but we do have some requests, starting with the Ultraman Hikari theme for Ben. Kokoro 
right. And to recap that music for you guys, we started off with Ultraman Hikari's theme for Ben and then followed that up with Roar from the Cloverfield soundtrack uh, for Danny. And then uh, to finish it up and get us right into our Daikaiju discussion, the main theme, Pacific Rim uh, by Ramin Jawadi and Tom Morello, the, the guitarist from Rage Against the Machine, uh, also in that as well. That is for Charles. Once again, class, it's time for I Die Kaiju Discussions. Every month, the Kaiju Cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this show will keep going for a long, long time. To be perfectly honest, Pacific Rim was, you know, this month's movie. It was strategically placed because it came out July 12th. We did it because we had the opportunity to see the film, and I knew that a whole bunch of people would as well. I had no idea that we would have so many responses. And I think it's fantastic, especially when you hear the res- the responses from the fans out there and how they are uh, viewing Pacific Rim. I think it's really good, especially for the genre. Um, and, you know, we're going to get into that a lot. But uh, first, I'd like to for just uh, introduce the people who are in the, uh, the Daikaiju discussion itself, because I'm not sure if we did like one big introduction. But it's really, it's been a while since we've had a ton of people and I believe we had a total of eight. Aside from myself, we had Jeff Dean, Sean Goyburn, Heather Brask, Martin Vavra, Brian Cook, Dave Helfrey, and back for the first time in like ages, my son Tiger was with us as well. Warning, the following discussion contains many spoilers about the film Pacific Rim. Listener discretion is advised.
I'm sitting here with a fantastic amount of my co-hosts and, and guests and so forth in the in the Portland area because we just finished watching Pacific Rim and uh, we are going to talk about how awesome or not awesome or amazing or meh it was and, and all the aspects. So here we go. Um, Sean, you have a microphone. Sean Goyburn is here. And uh, you said you're shaking, wanting well, to talk about the movie. It's just there was just like they packed so much into one like what was it two? Not quite two and a half. It was like two twenty. Uh, two, two ten, I believe. Two hours and ten minutes. And I'm still trying to process some of it, which is probably one of the reasons why I'm shaking a little. So what are uh, we can start with? Kind of initial thoughts, like walking out of the theater. What? What were you, what was, or as the credits were rolling, what was uh, what was the first thing you're thinking? I honestly couldn't believe that like they literally took us to another dimension. They went that far, like they they took it from, you know, the simple monsters are attacking, we have to beat the monsters too. Like they they like challenged how far into like crazy sci-fi territory we we were willing to go with them, and I think they pulled it off. Personally, I thought this movie, th- this is the best movie of the summer for me so far. I absolutely loved it. I've been waiting for this movie for all. This has been the number one movie for me. Guillermo del Toro is one of my top two directors, I think, in the whole wide world. And this is everything that I, I always want a kaiju movie to be when I sit down to watch one. This this was everything that I wanted it to be. Very cool. That's a, that's a pretty... Uh pretty glowing review martin what about you heather yeah that um i i haven't i haven't made it to a lot of movies this summer and i'm pretty thrilled that i managed to to make it to this one it was uh uh yeah i mean everything that i want i mean it was it was big monsters and big machines hitting each other successfully and making it pretty and aggressive and angry they were definitely (laughs) they were very successful it was uh yeah, no, it was it was gorgeous, and I thought that the you know the 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 human aspect actually like was a compelling story as well. They managed to make me not want to put my thumbs through you know the actors' eyeballs, which is always a plus. And that's uh, no, it was. I think I think they pulled it all together and pulled it off really really well. Jeff, um, I wasn't disappointed in the least. <laughs> I uh, it was actually better. I think better than I had anticipated it to be. Um, I had a few criticisms, but I guess we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. It was uh, very impressive. And what about Dave? Dave's gonna be the jerk. Oh, Dave's gonna. Okay. Dave, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have one in every room. So, no, so, I'm, sorry, I'm gonna, sorry I'm gonna, Dave. I'm, you sat next to me that whole time. And I'm sitting there going, "Yes." Oh, <laughs> oh did you see that? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not for a moment implying that I did not enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna second uh, Martin. Uh, on the best movie I've seen so far this summer. There's no question about it. Guillermo del Toro is an amazing filmmaker. He could, you know, he he could, he could, you know, he he could do an episode of the Paula Deen show and I would watch it, you know. But uh, ex- when yeah, is that airing? Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. But you know, that being said. There were there yeah there was a couple parts in there where I was like, mm, the, unlike The Hobbit, this movie I wanted to be longer. Oh, okay. this is, you know, here, here's one. And cause like the, 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 uh, I, I made this comment, uh, as we were walking out of the theater, the thing that I kind of missed about this one is, you know, it's like, uh, 
you know, love the robots, love robots hitting monsters, love monsters hitting robots. That is all there. But when you kind of think about like the the kaiju movies that we grew up with and everything, you knew the monster mm-hmm. a little bit. And this one, monster shows up, fights, monster's dead. Okay, next one, monster shows up, fights, monster's dead. And to me, that's kind of the also sort of a symptom of the other th- thing that we were talking about prior to going into the movie, which is the sort of oversaturation of blockbusterness that goes into movies now. It's like more, 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 bigger explosions, more monsters, more digital, digital effects, which is the other problem I had with the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, not not, I'm still not... It's like, I love the... You know, I love most of the designs. I'm a little tired of Wayne Barlow's hammerhead shark uh, monster designs. I've seen enough of those mm-hmm. now. It's like, uh, okay, I'm getting... Come on, Wayne. You got any other tricks in your bag there? But um, but all that being said, like I started out with, still my favorite movie that I've seen this summer. Excellent. And uh, Brian, how about you, man? Um, <clears throat> I thought it was really good. That's my first impression. I, I really thought that the two-pilot thing was going to be... I didn't quite know how that was going to really fully work, and it was actually a pretty good way to kind of allow for the flashbacks and to develop a, a relationship between those two characters, which, by the way, wasn't so overbearing that it would have derailed. It wasn't like... I was really glad how they played like the, the love relationship. I would have been upset if they kissed at the end. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then also we have uh, my son, Tiger, who hasn't been... We talked about this. You haven't been on the podcast in a really, really long time. I, I have been obscure. I have nothing to talk about. But um, you have some stuff to you want to say about this, right? I do, I do. I thought this movie was really well done. I didn't really know what to expect from it. I thought it was just going to be a Guillermo del Toro kaiju movie. Um, but... And it was what I thought it would be, and maybe even better, because the effects were well done, in my opinion. I like the design of, like, all the monsters and the robots, and I was glad that there was um, not really a love relationship. I was like, they didn't even kiss, like they, like you said. I was glad about that. Something unique. Right on. Well, um, I would just uh, add there for, you know, as soon as I as soon as soon the credits rolled and, and Sean and I sort of broke the silence in the car a little bit uh as soon as the credits started rolling i was like i would totally sit here and watch this movie again it was that entertaining to me uh agreed 100 percent. but uh but since we we sort of touched on some of the negative aspects let's let's talk about that let's talk about some of the things that kind of kind of irked us a little bit about about this film uh tiger actually since you have the microphone what what did you think about that i i didn't really pay attention to the negative parts of it but yeah, nothing I can really think of at the moment. Uh, my initial thoughts was I was a little off put by like the first twenty minutes or so. Did I was, you not give your initial thoughts? Oh no, no, no! I'm talking about oh, you're okay. You're the right. initial thoughts about the negative aspects, correct? <laughs> or criticisms? Yeah. Ky- Kyle actually criticisms. just completely zoned you out, yeah. so he wasn't really sure. What's new? Jeff's here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, but uh, is the first twenty minutes or so? It, it really felt kind of rushed. Like, I was really looking forward to seeing, um, instead of having that whole n- narration and the whole kaiju coming to land kind of thing was like, I kind of wanted to see that, you know? It kind of felt like they kind of rushed over the first half of a movie, in a way. But, um, and another thing is like, all the major fight scenes that take place like at nighttime, which I know is probably for effects-wise, and it's raining constantly. 
I wanted to see a few things in the daylight. And you d- you did see a little bit of that, like in flashback sequences or like TV footage or what have you. But right. um, and, I, and I know they do that kind of like to kind of hide some of the flaws with the effects or whatever. But, the, you know, the effects, you know, for the most part were outstanding. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of it took me a little bit to kind of get into the story. Like it took a while for the characters to really resonate. Yeah, yeah. For a while, I was kind of like, "Oh, brother, there's a couple eye rolling moments." But um, uh, there's other, some, uh, some but, cheesy lines, definitely. Yeah, like but the, but I understand they're kind of setting things up. But that's just my initial, you know, thoughts or criticisms that I had. I think I agree, but disagree with with your like. I would have loved to see that that first movie that you know that that initial twenty minutes. I would have loved to see that movie, but I also kind of appreciate it from. Uh, I mean, one, we already, it was, you know, over two hour long movie. Uh, maybe that could have been a different movie or we could have something like that. But at the same time, I'm waiting for the extended edition. To right, out right. That'll have Blu-ray. all of that. Yeah. But, but, but it's kind of like, you know, when, when a superhero movie gives you an hour of telling you what the character is, we know who Superman is, guys. You don't, it's like this just sort of, it, to me, the beginning was just kind of like, look, you know what kaiju are, or if you don't, you're going to figure it out real quick. Like, this is the history. Here's what happened. Bam. Now we're in present time. Like, And so I kind of liked that. It was like it wasn't, you know, a, a scientist standing in front of a screen for, you know, 45 minutes explaining to me what kaiju are. They just rushed, rushed through. And you, speaking of, since you brought up the scientist, yeah. before I forget this, that uh, guy, main guy. Why didn't they cast Crispin Glover? I mean, he could have been that, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the one scientist. Because the because uh, he always the, guy is, uh, you know, the more topical. The Torchwood guy. I don't have a microphone. Yeah, the, the, tor- dude, the, the dude, yeah, Torchwood. Yeah, 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 yeah. He should have been Crispin Glover. Yeah, he plays the uh, Crispin Glover. He plays Crispin Glover yeah. in, in Torchwood. No, he plays like. Uh, doesn't he play like the the love interest between? Uh, Everybody Glenn. did everybody in yeah. that show. Oh, did they? I, I only watched about the first season. No, everybody yeah. did everybody in that show. Yeah. Uh, he was also in, uh, I know he was in the Batman uh, trilogy. He, uh, he played a very minor role in the Batman trilogy. He had a mo- recent role in Game of Thrones as well? Probably. Well, at least One of the nice watch. British. Well, yes. British. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, negative stuff. Um, the top gunniness. Really? Uh, the Iceman character who doesn't like the main character and the Japanese girl. I don't know. I can't I remember his really name. I really liked the, uh, the, uh, you're talking about the Australian guy, the younger Australian guy. The younger from, Australian guy. From uh, Striker he Eureka. Was, he was Val Kilmer from if, <laughs> Here's the thing for me with all that. And this is like, I was struggling with it the whole time I was watching. I'm like, okay, is this too cheesy? Are they doing each one of these archetype, these character archetypes, are they pushing it a little too far? Or are mm-hmm. they just doing it just enough to make them, like, you know, enjoyable characters for, you know, the mass audience? I I enjoyed every single one of those, you know, the Russians, the, the, the three right. Chinese Absolutely. dudes. like, and, and then how they also interacted with their individual Jaegers and had their own personalities. It was very well done. But again, there's like just barely just going right up to the line of being too cheesy and like just a little bit too in your face at times. Yeah, there was there was never an aspect that made you want to puke. Right. You know. And and speaking on that, I really wanted to see more of the Russians. I really did too. Or or of the uh, (laughs) or of the three armed. uh, Yeah. Yeah. The Chinese crimson 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 typhoon. What was the Russian? What was the Russian Jaegers called? Hammer. 
Oh. Cherno Alpha. Okay, yeah, it's like it. I wanted, like, you know, they, they got deployed once and were taken out, like, really quickly, which was unfortunate. That saddened me. That I love the design on Cherno Alpha. I just, if I'm going to buy a toy, that is the one I'm going to buy. And it was out in, what, four minutes? You know, it's like, and then yeah. it's like, but yeah, just continuity though. That would have been like, seven yeah. Years. yeah, yeah. But it lasted. Yeah. It lasted. I mean, they said it was like the, one of the first Jaeger designs, and that was a Mark like One. That. But yeah. it was yeah. the only yeah. Mark so, One left. But yeah. it's it, to to comment about what we were just talking about the cheesiness and everything. As someone who has watched Starship Troopers oh, yeah. about twenty five times, <laughs> well, and that's that's. The- I am. I had no problem. I loved the stereotype characters, the Russians. I, I wanted them to have lines. That, that is my baseline. You know? That is yeah. that is where I draw the line. Any more than that, done. Well, and actually, it's like, you know, every time, what's her name, Denise Richards opens her mouth, it's like, honey, you're not here to open your mouth. No, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's... Uh, you know that it was. You know it was. Uh, there are there are very terrible moments in that movie, which I will watch every time I see it on television. Doesn't matter where it is in the movie, I will watch it until that movie is over. And I feel kind of the same way about a lot of parts of this. Although, unlike Starship Troopers, I think this is going to suffer even more later in the translation to the small screen i agree everybody you got to go see this on the big screen got to see it on the big screen and that was my only other gripe that uh, the real gripe i had watching it i was like this isn't probably going to hold up very well in five ten years mm, really you don't think so i don't think so like mm. i just got the because like i just got done watching independence day because it was on tv the other day having been the holiday weekend and I can't not watch that movie, much like Star Trek. Oh, no, Independence Troopers. Day is right. I'm, I'm right there with you. But, I watched that one too. And it was like the same kind of like, you know, Idris Elba did his, his speech that totally reminded me of the Bill Paxton speech. Right, right. Or not Bill, Bill Pullman's oh, old speech. the only speech. part of this movie that reminded you no, of No, there was very, Day. very, very yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of Roland Emmerich in this movie. But that was the only thing I was thinking while I was watching. I was like, well, this is really great right now. I don't. I'm not sure if it's going to hold up as well as like a Starship Troopers or something like that. Will. So when you say hold up, you're not talking about the effects. You're talking no, about the actual sentiment and the exactly. storyline. Are you going to want to watch it 25 times? Right. Hmm. I think. I think uh, quite I possibly. I possibly well, I'm not would want to watch this 25 and, times. And I watch all sorts of garbage over and over and over again. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying on on the whole, is this going to hold up as well as like a Starship Troopers or a Fifth Element or something like that? I it's hard to I, obviously it's hard to say right now but uh, I would I definitely uh, there are things about this movie that I thought made it stand apart from a lot of the films that you guys are talking about uh, you know the Top Gun reference the Independence Day even Star Starship Troopers in a sense when you said that it might not hold up after a certain amount of years what I initially thought of was the the fact that they were using CGI for a majority of the like seriously almost all of the special effects in this film comparatively though i mean i've seen every major blockbuster so far since they did star trek so we saw star trek iron man superman i missed oblivion but i didn't i don't think anybody else really saw that one what's oblivion right what about Uh, after earth i didn't see that one either (laughs) but like and even going back to like the avengers and transformers you know where you have these very large scale battles and things going on in all these movies i think this is the one that did all of that the best 
you got the immense sense of scale that was happening. Things weren't going by at 100 miles an hour. They were going really slow because they were taking into account all the physics necessary for something that's standing there 40 stories tall, hitting something else that's just as big. And so you didn't have those moments of, what am I watching here? You could see every single action point that was hit and every single beat of every single scene. And none of these other movies have been able to do that even in the last couple of years. I think that's what's going to make this one stick out more than any other movie that I've seen recently. Well, that's that's really good, though, because what really drives me crazy when I go to watch a movie like one of these major CGI effects films, you know, years down the line, and that's when the effects don't hold up and you're like, no, that looks really flat now or that looks too glossy now. And that's the sort of thing that really... Uh, I I hope this does hold up and the effects hold. You know, specifically the CGI stuff doesn't make me go, oh, it's a CGI movie. Now, Dave, you said something uh, negative about the CGI, uh, and <clears throat> uh, I personally I understand that you they really can't make a ton of it with practical effects for this particular film, though. Um, a lot, obviously, a lot of what they were attempting was um needed to be digital obviously right. you know and and i think guillermo del toro's love for digital effects is pretty well documented you know by this time but for example for um, practical effects yeah well f- well for actually practical effects and digital effects i mean he's like i think uh you know a, g- a good example of i think where he meshed the two really well would be like hellboy 2 you know for or, or hellboy you know for for well, there's for a better that example of that even is actually pan's labyrinth i think mm-hmm. That that was primarily practical. Know, pra- the, but Pan's there's Labyrinth. a there's a lot of digital in that one too, in all the right places. Yeah, and the no, nice yeah. thing about that is, is because you don't know that they are there. Well, then that is that is impressive. I mean, the thing that I like about Pen's Labyrinth so much is that the pale man and and the uh, the fawn, the fawn, and and like like even though they're and when I say digital, those effects, guys are fifty percent digital. I'm not counting painting out like legs and stuff like that. Yeah, because, what, I'm sorry, because 50% digital on the fi- Pale Man? 50% the, of the Pale Man, all the legs and everything, and you're saying, you know, the, the legs fawn. don't count, but the no, fawn, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. all of that stuff from the waist down on the fawn is not practical. No, no, that's not, no, that's no. That was a lot of digital. No, it's, 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 a, pra- it's a practical costume. Was, they're, painting, they're painting out his real legs sticking yeah, out of yeah, the Yeah, he wears like green socks and then they, and then they, the the whole yeah and they the add a lot of detail like there's a his, lot of things but yeah but I mean but but that's body but that's very different all, yeah that's yeah. that's very different than creating a creature digitally like, I that's, think well, that's, but that's is, why I'm saying it's the that's the great marriage oh that's, sure that's my then point I, is, yeah, that's I'm the great absolutely, marriage I am abs I'm 100% all for what Martin is talking about. You know, I'd like, you know, and they've been doing that for even if you're just painting out a rod that's moving a puppet, you know, through the water or something. And, you know, like I was I was uh, just watching a DVD about, you know, how they made the uh, the jellyfish in sphere and how they made um, uh, just, uh, you know, creatures uh, from men in black and things like that. And there are a lot of like like puppets. That are you know that you move with rods and everything, and then you come in and you digitally paint out the rod, and then you f- you fix the texture and things like that. And that I am one hundred percent for. That that is, you know, that is great. That you know that keeps it from looking too Harryhausen-y in 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 times well, when, you know, when the the ante has been upped that much. But when the creature is is a completely digital, 
is where it starts to, I mean, on the one hand, it looks more real than it could possibly be. And the other hand, it starts to look a little fake. And like in the scene where they're in the bunker and the always sunny, sunny guy is getting hunted by the one kaiju and the tongue comes down into the bunker, that should have been a practical tongue. That would have been, that would have made that scene so much more visceral and everything instead of this like little glowing fairy tongue that well, came down. And But, you know, I had that sort of moment when it, when it first started, but then I went, okay, but these things are coming admittedly from a different dimension, but from the depths of the ocean. So I sort of forgave a lot of the phosphorus through the depths, through the depths of the ocean, but, but no, creatures. no, but I, I thought that it sort of you know, hearken to like deep sea creatures having these phosphorescent sure. parts uh, to them that would be, you know, enticing. I mean, it's like, oh, giant claw coming. Oh, just kidding. Not a giant claw. Pretty flower like thing. Don't you like the pretty flower like thing? Let me get you. You know, it's like it was, you know, kind of like kind of like the lure instead of the instead of the hook. Since we're all on design, <laughs> though, like speaking, since we're all talking about the design of the different characters, do you think the monsters were done? Or who has done better, the monsters or the the Jaegers at oh, this point, Jaegers. and why? Like why? Oh, I mean, like for for um, well, I mean, one reason why is that the Jaegers are the heroes, and and honestly, I think that might be another uh, hang up that I have with the movie is that we're so used to movies where the hero is another monster. Yeah, I think that's that's a really valid point because uh, we talked about this at the at the panel with Miguel Rodriguez, like this is, uh, obviously a Kaiju podcast. And the reason we're doing Pacific Rim is because there, there are Kaiju in this film. There are, I saw them. Yes. yes, (laughs) And they call them that. Yes. But, uh, but these are different. I, I would say that these Kaiju are on a different plane than, uh, what we're used to. Oh yeah, and, and as far as the storytelling goes, and I would actually, the one movie in the landscape, as I as I often say, that I would uh, equate this to, uh, as as far as the monsters go, is something like The Host. Definitely. Where yes. it's more, it's more of a monster on the loose thing, so you're getting a whole ton of monsters on the loose, where there's really no personality or or kind of like, oh, they're the misunderstood monster. Right. You know, this is a. Uh, these are threats, and that's really they serve to exist purely as threats. I thought I I did I am guilty of watching one of the featurettes prior to seeing the movie, and so I get why Del Toro did some of the things he did, and used a lot of visual shorthand with the creation of the kaiju, like the one that they called Leatherback, um, is a gorilla. Right, yeah. and there was another one of the ones that was down by the breach was obviously a shark and kind of mm-hmm. zebra esque a little bit uh, in you know in and the other one was like a crocodile the other that was swimming around and then when the uh, when the one that was when the first uh, the first time the two appeared together and the one that had the long arms that turned into wings yeah. it's like that one's I was watching this like that thing walks around like a bat that yeah. thing's gonna take flight in a little while. Yeah, you know, kind of thing, and so I understand because of the nature of the movie, the real, you know, the that it had it had to be realistic, and they were packing so much action into this two hours and ten minutes. He needed that visual shorthand to so that you to make up for the fact that he's not telling you any stories about these monsters yeah. besides they're here and they have to be stopped. You know, and so knowing that it's a bat, and knowing that it's a gorilla, and knowing that it's a shark. 
sort of tells you a little bit about this menace, even though these are Earth creatures coming from another dimension. Gorillas, sharks, and bats, I mean, as far as the Earth creatures, you know. So it's like, there are no gorillas, sharks, and bats where these things are coming from. They did kind of explain that away, though, saying that, like, when when the the one scientist, like, you know, mind-melded with the one, he's like, well, they tried this before, and they were the dinosaurs, you know? And they, they did kind of explain, like, why they would kind of appear like creatures would be... Oh, that, that we're, that we're used oh, okay. to, yeah. I'm sure, I guess you could interpret it that way. I mean, that's how I interpreted it. See, the thing, the thing that I'm looking forward to the sequel is when we find out what those parasites really were. Because if these things are being manufactured, they're not going to have parasites on them. Well, sure they could. If they're being manufactured and they're farmed, you know how many farm animals have parasites well, it's, on it, them and well, everything okay. else? Well, it depends if they're if it's a farm or if it's a lab. If it's a farm or if it's a lab, you know, I get, that's that's kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, are these recording devices? Yeah. Are these like you they? Know, they must be because one of them was pregnant, so there must be some kind of a, yeah. some kind of I mean, a farmed out meetings, situation. I want to see the mating cycle. Um, <laughs> well, of course, filthy, you filthy man. You know the since uh, you brought it up that like with leatherback. I thought that fight scene was just the highlight of the movie. Well, and it was also that one of the longest ones. Yeah, that was, yeah. It was good. And and one thing to Del Toro's credit is, like in so many giant blockbusters nowadays, or just action movies in general, a lot of action happens, and you have like no idea like where you are, what's going on, fast cuts and stuff. You're like, what you know, which is a sign of like they don't really know. They just shoot everything and then edit together and like rapid fire. This movie, for the most part, did a great job of giving you like a, a sense of where everybody was, and you know all the fight, you know, and the swings of the, you know, the punches and and all the destruction. So uh, I, you know, I think that goes to Del Toro's credit. And you know, we had talked about you know the CG, like you had talked about the tongue, because that's like one of the only scenes I think in the film where you see a digital effect with a real actor. Because almost all the fight scenes and everything... That's it's a, true. It's a complete CG world. Everything you're seeing is completely CG, which I think helps it. Because sometimes when you see CG, like in the tongue scene, you kind of like, okay, there's a right, CG exactly. effect. No, I absolutely agree, agree with that. In a real world. And I, I, and I, I want to keep going with that because uh, I, I don't have a problem with the CG in this film. To me, it's like saying, well, you know what? There's just too much digital animation in Shrek. You know, so what? Those become tools. I mean, we've already we talked about um, we talked about where the wild things are. You oh, yeah. you have proven that you can make a great big suit with an animated face. So which, why not make Shrek that way? Brilliant. And that was a, and that was a beautifully made movie. So to me, it becomes a tool. And if you do things like you jam the camera in there, and you get lost in all of this frantic action, it becomes ridiculous. And then you have ridiculous stereotypes with ridiculous dialogue and ridiculous things going on after a while it starts feeling like transformer movies so to me it it be, <laughs> but but it, it 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 becomes a tool and uh to me he used these tools all perfectly i have no complaints about this film actually uh and it's because it was just good enough for me in every single aspect where i thoroughly enjoyed myself there was a moment during exposition where i was going this is starting to get a little bit like oh nope there it goes got it <laughs> he, he got it he was feeling it too and it and it was time to jump back into the action and i felt i felt like that was it was all done just right for me i thoroughly enjoyed all of that and one of the things because uh, i saw several of the featurettes did you guys see the featurette of all the co- single one of them. all the cockpits every single cockpit no. practical effect 
Every oh, yeah, single absolutely. one of those cockpits absolutely. are practical, and they were gorgeous. except below the feet. Right there, sure. it's after their feet attach, all of that becomes digital. Because yeah. uh, it's really hard to make all the spinning gears below yeah. people and, and make them feel safe. But, but those the, are but those were practical effects. Yeah, those are no practical. Beautiful. And they, and, they had, and they were all moving, too. One of the things about that is while the camera rigs moved, the cockpits moved and they've got shots where they're they've got guys that you know shots that they that are only in the featurette where guys are like yeah we you know we blew our knee out we sprang our shoulder we did whatever because they were on cable harnesses but they're throwing guys around uh. in these cockpits and they're like ah! <laughs> so it's it was uh, it just it was so satisfying on every level for me it was fun i i think in terms of my criticism for the digital effects, uh, I think it just robbed the individual kaiju of an identity, but the fights did completely work, and the blocking was like you were, or, or someone said, you weren't, or you just said, uh, you're not up in the action to where you can't quite make out what's going on. Um, I thought that everything kind of did make sense. There were a few times where it was maybe a little too much where I was having trouble following stuff, but I mean... For example, whenever uh, Gypsy, uh, Gypsy Gypsy Danger, Danger uh, spelled with an I, by the way, not G Y P S Y. I just want to point that out. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if that's, that's an. A flaw? I, that well, I, I'm not saying it's, it's a flaw. It's pronounced, it's just, it's pronounced Gypsy. There's I'm probably just some saying, explanation for it. I'm that just we'll saying it was eventually. a creative spelling. It's, you know, one of those things I caught. But when uh, when it's walking up the street with the boat in its hand. As if the boat was a baseball bat. That was awesome. I wish that had not tremendous. been in the trailer. I was in the trailer? I wish, or the commercial. You know, yeah, I, wish I hadn't that, seen that. Because that was a great Yeah, it was in the WonderCon That's a great footage. moment. That That's a great a, I, moment. I have to say that when when uh, Legendary Pictures released the WonderCon footage online, I was like, oh, sweet, another Pacific Rim thing. And then I started watching it. And uh, when that happened in the trailer i started getting vocally excited and i was like oh my god oh no that is awesome and then uh i i think when he hit the the kaiju with the, i think i probably jumped up and threw my arms in the air and was like yeah and then uh promptly promptly watched it again well and see i had that moment when i saw the rocket elbow yeah. Oh, dude, oh, that was that, that was amazing. That, yeah. <laughs> massive, massive homage to Mazinger Z and oh, the Gona guys uh, super robot series. There grew up with that stuff, and yeah. you know, so I do have a love for the giant robots as well as the giant monsters, and abs- yeah, the the rocket punch, spot on. Totally awesome. Spot on. Totally awesome. Uh, I I will say one thing that I I leaned over and said to to Jen, who was with us at the movie. Is it so? Why didn't they just start fighting with the giant sword in the first place? Because that worked really well, <laughs> like super efficient with the sword, oh, not so much with the rockets and the lasers. People. Well, it was no, just. That's it's like, like, well, my arm's been ripped off, and my buddies are all dead. We have nothing. Well, we do have this really effective sword. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we could use that and wipe this monster out in like one blow. But I mean, you know why that's there though? It's for dudes like me going. 
holy crap, they've got a sword. It's yeah. true. It's <laughs> true. That was explained, actually. Oh, there, please. That Well, the slight the explanation is is that that was never part of Gypsy Danger's original design, and that was their yeah. first time out. Ah, and so okay, he's see. operating on the old system, and they're like, no, wait, remember we have this stuff. We've refitted the Enterprise, and you haven't updated yourself. Okay, so. I I miss the fact that it was that it I was an add on. I just it's the Mark II suit. I just uh, yes, yeah. I just I just thought that he was it's like, but we Mark have II nothing more, and she was like, but no, wait, we have this, and I missed that it was a, a reconfig. Thank you, mm-hmm. that makes me feel better because yeah. I was confused. You just didn't know it was there. Still she should have been using the. She should have told moment. him. Yeah, she really should have told yeah. him. I loved it. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> That's fair. So, uh, did anybody else have anything else? Uh, this negative or things change that they would like to? I seen? thought there was too many jokes in it. Like I thought, like I, I've been seeing ah. that. In, I've been seeing that in movies recently, like Avengers and all that stuff, or like, or. And Iron Man, where like they do something funny, and which I totally I love jokes. I think they're funny, and of course everyone does. But, um, but I thought like this is a kaiju movie. Like this doesn't really belong here. I would I would counter that by saying uh, I actually got two points on that for you. The okay. first is that I some of my favorite kaiju films have a serious tone overall, but have some slight humor added to them. Yeah, they all, I mean, they all do. How about the, okay, so in Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, giant monsters all out attack when they're, uh, the very, f- the movie opens and the uh, there are two students sitting in the classroom and uh, they're talking about the, the monster attacking and they're like, didn't the, didn't Godzilla attack New York? And the guy says, no, that's what the Americans think, but it wasn't really Godzilla. Like, that's a total, like, subtle humor point. Anyway, uh, what I, the second point that I wanted to make about about the humor in this film was that out of all of the Del Toro films that I've seen, humor has been his worst aspect, and I can't like I the stuff gonna, the stuff in Hellboy, that. the stuff it just Hell, doesn't Hellboy, work in Hellboy Two. The whole drunk scene with Abe Sapien. Yeah. I was gonna say I thought he reeled in the humor pretty well in this one. He did a. It's like he learned. Because the stuff in Hellboy 2 with Abe Sabian and the drunk, I was just, oh, Del Toro. You're yeah. just, he's like, he's got a ham bone in him that he doesn't know how to control sometimes. But I thought he did a great job in this movie of making the funny parts funny. And you heard the crowd. Yeah. The crowd laughed. It was hilarious. They like, did I, a great job. I agree. Like, I, mean, I thought the, it was, I'm not saying it wasn't funny. The sheep I scene from Devil's Backbone, that was hilarious. <laughs> Remember the sheep yeah, okay, I'm making it up. There was, there was no, there was no, there was nothing funny in Devil's Backbone. There was nothing really funny in Pan's Labyrinth either. But, uh, but I, I would just say when Del Toro uh, tries humor in his previous films, it falls really flat. And uh, like the thing I, the first thought I had when I saw Abe Sapien and Hellboy drunk and singing that that song was Very like, I was like, you know. It's not that this that doesn't have merit. It's not that it's not funny. It's just that I would have, and I'm not a filmmaker, but I would have done it differently. I would have, I would have had them drinking. That no, is a little bit too far, but it wasn't funny. Okay, there, just uh, <laughs> let's leave it at that. Uh, and aside, uh, 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 so did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? No. Okay, so I will. Uh, I will just say that the the two things that I didn't particularly care for is I didn't care for the 
the ambiguous, what I felt was an ambiguous sort of relationship between uh, the two main characters, Beckett Beckett and and, uh, Mauko, yeah. Uh, They, it was almost like they said, well, we can't have them kiss. They're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Well, but they know well, they what they are so sort they of a, inside uh, out. Yeah, yeah, that neural handshake. Uh, it it just kind of bugged me. That yeah. hug, man. Well, yes, you're right. It was. I hate hugs. <laughs> <laughs> totally not true. Uh, but I, hug my that screaming was just, child that was, from my past. That was a very minor complaint. <laughs> very but minor, but minor complaint. for me, if they would have kissed at the end of the movie, it would have ruined it. Okay. I'm not saying I wanted them to kiss either, but like he he said at one point. I never did have good timing, and it totally made me think, like, where are they going with this? Is this is this a love interest story? And then they didn't fulfill that. I didn't want them to. But Don't get you, me wrong. Th- but um, Imagine you and Jeff are sharing all of your memories. There's going to be some confusion that comes from that kind of thing. You're not going to be sure how to... <laughs> I don't no want confusion pizza anymore. whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on to the other thing. The thing that actually that, that bothered me, and it, it sort of harkens to the special effects, the CGI stuff, is that uh, because they shot it all at night and in the rain and stuff, I was dying for a daytime fight. I would love to see the stuff like when they had Gypsy Danger fall into the Alaskan coast. I loved that. It was so bright. I could see all the details. I just wanted to see. It was I just recently watched Gamera 2 Advent of Legion. Yep. So such an amazing <laughs> film, but a lot of those effects. I was trying to get a great screenshot for this article I wrote, but like all of the special effects stuff except one scene take place at night and I was like I can't get a good 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 view of this well and I was waiting for a good point to bring this up do you think and this is why I think it was filmed like that do you think this benefited from being in 3D versus maybe when we go see it in 2D I will have to find out. I know that this was a post-production 2D. But it was a really good. This was, was one 3D. of the best. I would say this is the I've best. Seen I don't see a lot of 3D. I tend I tend to go to 3D movies if I have the option. Really? I I, I just I don't mind. Well, like compared it, to Clash of the Titans, this God. thing was miles yeah. above it. Well, and miles it was above but it. it was 3D where 3D needed to be, and I just wonder if 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 the 3D benefits it. And when I go see it in 2D, like next week or whatever, if it's gonna not have that 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 visual kind of visceral depth that you would get otherwise. See, and that's something that I because my my sister can't see 3D, uh, so I she she can't see 3D movies. So it's one of those things. that's like, well, would it actually would anything be taken away? I mean, if if you just didn't see it in in 3D, yeah, I mean, would it probably have been just a completely beautiful film on in its 2D. own? And actually, while watching this, which I think is to its benefit, about probably 20 minutes in, 30 minutes in, I forgot I was even watching a 3D movie. Yeah, was, yeah. Because yeah, it wasn't nothing was like, oh my god, that's 3D. Right. It totally had like maybe well, my brain got used to it, but it wasn't like because I saw Star Trek in 3D, and that was kind of like a few times I'm like. Ugh, you know, it's but too you, much. You and Dave both made a really good point. This is not when you guys were talking about this on the way back. This movie isn't filmed with the like sword at your face, <laughs> uh, sparkles at your face. Like it's not. It this one has environmental depth to it. 
that's what this yes. movie really does. And I don't think it was ev- even with the idea that it was going to be done in post production, they didn't do anything where it's like I'm coming at you, right. which is right. solidly done. Right, which is part of why I wonder. I mean, I imagine that in 2D, it is going to be just as striking because I mean. Okay, a little bit of that depth may not be there, but I imagine that, I mean, with just all the cinematography and, and everything, all the work that was put into it, I think that this is going to be absolutely stunning in 2D, and that makes me happy, because I'm sure my sister would really like to see it and enjoy it, so... <laughs> I, I would just say that you you guys have all been to my house, you've seen the big screen I have, it's fairly large, and uh, I've watched the Pacific Rim trailer on that in 2D, and it looks... Absolutely gorgeous. So, I'm, yeah, I'm of the I, opinion that Del Toro is genetically incapable of making bad-looking film. Right? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, so it's wait gonna be, it's to, gonna be, and, it's and this gonna be one, gorgeous. I think, out of all of them, is probably visually his most stunning piece of work. Every single frame was like something out of a comic book. It was all every. It was like panel for panel. Like everything was exactly where it should have been. Flowed evenly from from scene to scene. Like visually, I do think that this is probably his best work. Should we move into our favorite parts of the of the film? Like Sean, what did you like? If you had to pick one or two things that you're just like yes you know honestly to. the fight in the city with the against the bat one that was yeah. just awesome because it was it was multiple levels it started out at sea then it's then it then it was kind of hide and seek in the middle of the city and like all these little things happening and then all of a sudden boom i've got wings guess what we're gonna do take you up into space <laughs> <laughs> i loved the fight in the city i i think i had because to me, it's not just the fight in the city. It starts when they when they face off against the kaiju with all three Jaegers, and then it goes all the way until uh, Gypsy Danger lands mm-hmm. from from his giant fall. And it's I I mean seriously, from out. start to finish, it was that fight, that massive <laughs> fight, was absolutely amazing. And I didn't once go, "This is too long." Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, because I think that whole sequence is like the highlight of the movie. It almost makes, at the end, when they come across the, you know, level five kaiju, almost lackluster. That whole fight. You know what I I think, what I think uh, detracted from that is that there was nothing, there was no scale. Yeah, since they were just down yeah. a bunch of bunch of yeah, there's no city to put there's no city to put scale against. So it, I think it lost some of its magic. And because that that whole fight scene at the end, I mean, I'm sorry, um, the middle fight, I guess the middle fight scene you'd call it in the city. I kind of thought like, what are they going to do to top this? Because that's not the end of the movie. But I'm like, that could be a climax for 99 percent of other films, which just I thought was just outstanding. Well, and while we lost the scale on that last fight, I did think that. I think did uh, recognize that, and that's why we had that amazing shot of the level five coming out, and it just kept coming and kept go. And it, oh my God, is it still, guys? I have to. I, I'm gonna go run to the restroom real quick. I'll be right back. Tell me if we are we done with the level five coming out of the giant it hole had in the, the ground space yet? Balls bumper sticker yeah. that said we yeah. break for nobody. Exactly. <laughs> it was just like okay, because there is nothing else to compare it on. So. We just have to give you this incredibly long shot of it, of yeah. it unearthing here. But uh, no, I absolutely the 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 you know our main fight there because um, I mean who doesn't love a bat creature that comes from the sea and does all the swimming and the on land and in the sky and all I do it all, nice, do it all nice. that. Um, but I have to say I actually really loved 
our uh, our drift where we found out her backstory. Mm, yeah, that was really that very was cool. That was horrifying, absolutely petrifying from start to finish. I mean, I was sweating throughout it and i mean and i oh, that i mean it was that's, just that's a good well it just it just didn't it just didn't stop and and that little girl was fantastic was right how simple was that too no, that was cool but that little girl was just phenomenal i mean just talk about like a great little great little actress i mean it's not like she had to do a whole lot but she had to sell it and and speaking of that scene that's the one scene in the entire movie that made me doubt whether or not i could take my eight-year-old son to go see that oh, movie oh really? really it was it was, it was intense and it, it was, was 15 minutes almost well maybe more right. like 10 minutes of this little girl just being horrified for by her herself life, being terrified yeah. yeah which i will say talking about you mentioning the you know the, the comic book quality of the shots that entire that entire thing is just i mean you know it's just like ink pen done like her coming out of the out of the the little corridor there monster and i mean and even just the poses that she struck with it. I mean, it was just panel for panel perfect. I and mean, it's just not gorgeous. Done in the dark. It's not, no. It's, it's daylight yes. and it's ash. Few daylight scenes in the movie. It's, yeah, it's ash, and who knows what really happened? But her memory of it. Oh yeah, is, with him in the golden sunlight, ash. and and I mean, it was oh. he was he was this perfect hero in this. To bring up Gamera again, that totally reminded me of the nightmare scene in Gamera Three, where she is remembering Ayana is remembering Gamera as this terrifying, nightmarish creature. When in reality, he was actually you know just a giant turtle. Turtle puppy. Teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought too. Uh, so what else? Who else really loved something about this film? What I want to hear about it. I Sean mentioned it earlier. I thought it was absolutely genius when Charlie Day did the mind meld, which is what we're calling it now, uh, or drift, I guess. But when uh, he figures out that the people from the or the creatures from the other dimension had been sending stuff through since the age of the dinosaurs to colonize our planet. It was a really, really brilliant way to just say, here's why there's monsters. I like I like that they had an explanation for the monsters that was new. This was mm-hmm. something different than what we'd seen before. You know, they weren't just just big monsters that just existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't coming from space. They weren't radioactive. Well, they were sort of coming from space. And I thought that... That was also a great reference I to I think that. He, I, think he's, I think he's talking <laughs> about like Ghidra and Geigen and stuff. Right, 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 right. I thought the, that was a great sort of reference of that. That plays with the whole, the aliens are going to bring monsters to wipe us out. It was a really, really smart way to do that without any exposition, without wasting any time, without over-explaining. God, you know. I cannot wait to watch this movie again. And I like, know, I'm count, so excited to see it Count the again. homages. Because they were going oh, by so fast. Gosh. I mean, not they weren't so... F- so frequent that I was like, I. It's just they weren't so frequent that I was like, bl- the, the, there were blurs. Star to me. Wars reference. I know I like, there were oh. several Star Wars references, but just the the fact that they were they were subtle enough so that I didn't spend too much time thinking about them. Right, they didn't take away anything yeah. from the movie. Oh god, yeah. I love this movie, obviously. So speaking of Star Wars reference, I I did slam a little bit for being a little too Top Gunny. But on the other side of that coin, it like when you were talking about the other teams that we got to see, uh, that really did work for me on the level of like at the end of Star Wars when they're like, we're going to do this to the Death Star and all the pilots are in the room. You get a feeling of like 
that's a real place and these are real people doing this and it it worked it worked really well so did i miss a volleyball scene i just you, you keep bringing that up and i'm like well the fight uh, uh, yeah. the, the fight basically where the guy comes out of the office and he's like oh, I was you think you're too cool maverick <laughs> and they fight that's really you're the dangerous only part. Yeah, yeah that's that's about right. the only part that I love that fight, though. It was a really oh, yeah. good, good fight. fight. I mean, like, fight. well choreographed all, and everything. All so. of the fights in the movie. I mean, yeah. whether it was, like, yeah. you know, human on human or robot on monster, like, it was yeah. all really, really, really well done. Yeah. You know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of, like, a standout scene, and it's like, if anybody's, whoever's listening to this podcast, all the bitching that I've been doing about digital effects and everything, I don't want anything that I've said to dissuade anyone from taking 10 American dollars and going seeing this movie on the big screen because I think they should and if they're listening to this podcast they're going to enjoy it so there's no there's no but only no go if that. it's ten dollars well yeah. you know what I mean you know, I don't I'm, know what I'm, that is I'm, in Cherno Alpha I'm going for an, I'm going for an, <laughs> I'm going for an average here but um, I'm actually having difficulty nailing down like a favorite scene yeah because there were a lot of things like, like, like Martin mentioned the cockpits just like going, just and the difference between the American cockpit and the Russian cockpit. Yeah. I mean, as sort of stereotypical as as that was, it's like I still like. Oh my god, I love this. You know, it's like oh look, they have the little like you know, Hellboy masks on. You know, kind of like yeah, Hellboy. Hellboy sweet. Yeah. So and it's like there was there was there was so like I liked, I liked the I you know I think the thing I, that I did like was the details. You know, and oh, that was, and, and I you think can that was always count on Del Toro to oh, yeah. go the oh, yeah. extra and mile just, with details. And he just, right? and you, and I think, and and that's why I was kind of hoping. I mean, like I love the scene at in the uh, black market kaiju parts. Uh, you know, back, you know, back, uh, backstage where Ron Perlman was uh, was hanging out, everything, and all of those things in jars mm-hmm. you know and all the details and all the different shapes and the um like and when they were holding the parasite in their hands and it's like it's like boom you know that was um you know it's like i'm sure that that was digitally augmented but i'm also sure that that was primarily a practical effect the way that they were holding that and handling that and everything like there's that. a series of commercials that they did that are not part of the film they're just made as fun promo pieces oh, that yeah? are him promoting his his wares. There's a whole bunch oh, of him awesome. stuff. Yeah, and oh, they're they're awesome. really cool to check out. And one um, thing we should also tell people is if they haven't seen this and they're listening to the podcast, to stay after the credits roll for a few minutes. For a few minutes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. because they have a, a little stinger there at the end, which is pretty amusing. A stinger after the sort of initial credits, the graphical credits, not yeah. the you don't need to stay for the big giant long, unless you just <laughs> want to pay tribute to the. Actually, there is one. Tip, yeah. There is one thing at the very end that that you should stay for. Uh, they they pay tribute. It's a what is it? It's dedicated, dedicated to, to Ray Harryhausen and uh, Ishiro Honda, Aww. which yeah, is really is awesome. great as it should be. Really, really awesome. That yeah. They did that. yeah. Uh, Tiger, what did you like most about this film? Well, I pretty much liked what everyone pretty much said. I loved the fight scene in Hong Kong, um, and I liked the flashback scene with the one lady. Like I thought that was really, I thought those two scenes were really well done. I liked the last scene as well. Um, 
I thought it was really cool, like, seeing all, like, there's three monsters, um, and they're fighting both the, um, Jaegers at the same time. So, I always, I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I thought this movie had a lot of cool stuff in it. So, actually, I have a question for you, Tiger. Because yes. Because you are a teenager in school, yep. and this is July, which means you've been out of school for about a month, maybe mm-hmm. a little less. Uh, this and this is just a, you know if if you have information about it that's great if not that's no big deal. Were kids at your school excited for? or Did they even know about this movie? They didn't really talk about it at all. No, like, not at all. Like um, oh, man, kids these days. Well, from what, I, from what I remember, there wasn't really much advertising for this movie. Um, like there wasn't th- there wasn't like like if you were watching TV, there wasn't really advertisements for it. And um, at theaters, like I remember, I went to tons of theaters. I didn't see a single trailer for Pacific Rim, hmm. um, so there wasn't really not much to know. And I didn't really know much people that would go on like Apple trailers every day and see like, oh, it's a Pacific Rim trailer. Um, but it, like, no, so nobody at your school was talking about it. Yeah, I, I would mention it to some people. Like, do you hear about Pacific Rim? They're like, do you hear about what? So like, they didn't really know. So you did try and talk to people. I tried to talk to some people. Good they're God, they're, good they're my they're my friends. <laughs> yeah, okay? yeah, they're my friends. It doesn't matter. They could be. They could not be your friends. As long as you're promoting Guillermo del Toro's film, I'm happy. Uh, you should, now. though, probably call into question why these people are your friends if they don't know about Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> Just food for thought for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anybody else have like a favorite anything that they wanted to talk about? I, you know, I, I think most people have hit m- uh, most of the points of the movies. Uh, I thought it was interesting that with. There's a couple of things that the trailers give away that that's a little bit of a, a bummer for me. I kind of wish there's there's two things that I wish the trailers hadn't given away in the you know canceling the apocalypse and the and the ship for a baseball bat. But for the most part, this is something I really liked. The trailers really only give away like the first five minutes in the movie. Oh, and after yeah, that, yeah, 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 that was it's just great. like a dice roll. After that, it's like, man, what's what all's gonna happen now? <laughs> yeah, I think I said at one point I was like, well, that was the last Pacific Rim anything I need to see before I actually go see the movie, and it was the the the. I think it was they called it the official trailer, and it's when the uh, the main character Charlie Hunnam is saying. Uh, first they made land in San Francisco and then they did this and then they did this and then they did this and I was like stop stop I don't need to know I don't need to know but I'm really glad that they also added that to the gloss over bullet point list that they that they just put it the, in the first three minutes of the film that was thank God for that you know uh, uh, so final thoughts or anybody have anything else you want to share can we go watch it again? Yes. <laughs> Please. Yes. Uh, final I thoughts. I eat pizza in Dave's vehicle as we drive to the theater to go watch it again. <laughs> I've got bad news. That was a that was a one-time screening today. Dang it. Gonna, but they still have the reels there, I was right? going to say, they probably haven't transported it yet. Yeah, there's, there's enough yeah. of us. We can do this. I saw a movie where they broke into a theater to watch a movie with someone dying of cancer. Is anyone dying of cancer in this room where we can break into a theater and watch it again? <laughs> I think I have the black lung. Uh, I would yeah we probably should have just rushed the projection room and grabbed the digital file totally could have taken that guy (laughs) anyway uh this is a new movie you could probably get it so final thoughts uh martin final thoughts Ooh, and i have a question for you about final thoughts does not apply to everybody if you don't want to do it but hit me with your question the question would be amongst guillermo del toro's filmography where would you rank this 
I would say this is probably number two or three. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is a very difficult film to beat with me. I think that it's it's beautiful in so many ways. Uh, and The Devil's Backbone is such a fantastically made movie for a time when he was he was two movies into it. Didn't have a very big budget. Nobody really knew who this guy was. And to make The Devil's Backbone was an amazing accomplishment. Uh, and so this movie is fantastic. I think a first-time person... I hope that lots of first-time people go and watch this thing when we were always asking this about kaiju movies. A first-time person could go and watch this thing. And I think this movie would set you down a path of going back and going... Who's that Godzilla and Gamera guy? I want to go and check all that stuff out now. And I think this will open a door for a lot of people. I, this is the perfect movie for me. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. it. It just was. And, you know, rate that as good or bad as to my character. <laughs> I, um, you know, I desperately want to see this movie again. Um, I can say I think this is my favorite del toro american movie but um you know it's gonna i'm gonna have to see it a number of times before i rank it above pan's labyrinth devil's backbone or even chronos i think those three are his best in my opinion right now kyle's shaking his head mm-hmm. just at the, just at chronos i that, know that's mm-hmm. a tough one with chronos yeah that's a tough buy hey i love chronos I, i'm right there with movie. jeff i love chronos too movie. yeah but um, but I need to see this again, and I think you know as to where you know in in see it again is that all this is? No, no, see it again without. I'm gonna go see it again, and that's one thing. It's like I rarely go see movies at the theater again, you know, unless it's like Phantom Menace, <laughs> you know. I mean, but as as an adult, I, I've rarely gone back and seen a film at the theater again. But this one, I I will definitely check it out. Again, for sure. Everything that Martin said, especially about being the gateway drug into kaiju. Nice. Nice. Definitely. That's what we're all hoping for, it, right? Agreed. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, this This was the, per- I had that thought of, you know, w- with the discussions, we said, you know, well, would you show this to somebody to introduce them to kaiju? And I absolutely think this is the perfect, perfect thing to set up a, a new generation of uh, of kaiju lovers and that's exciting. If only and we that could it was have gotten well. kaijucast.com added to the uh, the graphical oh. Tra- oh. <laughs> credits there. Don't they make like don't they make like custom laser print pointers? So. Couldn't we have just like <laughs> bam so. hit the screen with it at the last moment? <laughs> that would have been awesome. Uh, what about you, Dave? Uh, Final I am, thoughts. I am uh, absolutely going to uh, fall in step with Martin on del toro's filmography i think pan's labyrinth is his best movie and i think devil's backbone is second and and for me part of the reason and this this would i guess fall into the category of another criticism of uh pacific rim is that in those two movies del toro was at his best i think because he was showing us stuff we had not seen before and that unfortunately is not the case with Pacific Rim. I think if, you know, whether it's the rocket punch or the tail on the bat monster or the knife head on knife head or, you know, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other things we saw the ending of the whole movie for that matter, we can point to another movie and say, seen it there before. And now he 
he weaved it all together beautifully. It is a nice tapestry. And, uh, you know, and again, I think everybody should, everybody who's listening to this should absolutely run out and go see it. Um, but uh, I, multiple viewings will not change my opinion on that one. That's, it's it's going to stay third. And visually, Del Toro, the uh, market scene in Hellboy 2. I got a soft spot. I'm never going to like anything he does better than that. Just because, you know, the just the number of creature designers and the, you can just all the stuff that... It's, and just just the way he took George Lucas's cantina scene and just punched it in the nuts. It was just, <laughs> it was just. Nice the troll oh yeah. So oh, so it's good. So well done. So good. Yeah, so good. You know, but that's just one scene in a movie that's inferior to the you know Hellboy and and the other movies we've been talking to talking about. So um, it's a great movie. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, you know, I'm. Nitpicking, nitpicking with everything that I am picking at. Oh, this and, is the podcast. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. Pick sure, nits, sure, baby, for sure. And um, uh, yeah, good. I mean, you know, but you know, by and large, good stuff, real good stuff. Excellent, Brian. What about you, man? Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, in terms of Del Toro's movies, I haven't seen. Kronos or The Orphanage. I, I'm missing well, a he lot. He only in produced there, The Orphanage. He didn't oh, direct it, so okay. you don't need to see it. But uh, <laughs> he actually hasn't directed Orphanage that Orphanage was really movie, good, though. though. Yeah, I it's pretty it. good. It's pretty good. Didn't yeah. he also? Didn't he also produce uh, that remake of Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Yeah, the Troy Nixie did. Oh, yeah. yeah, that thing was balls. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Mom, I liked. Mom, I liked. I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. Anyway, but you were saying. Um, but I did like how it weaved everything together uh, in all the references. You're right that you're right, Dave. That we've seen all this before, but I I but did like it together nice. It was yeah. well put together. Like uh, the 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 Jaeger pilots reminded me of just the perfect execution of the Heisei films with Miki Saigusa being on the crew of like Mechagodzilla and Mogura, and like they kind of nailed that perfectly with the the Jaegers in this film. Um, I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it, and uh, yeah, I, I don't have any negative things I have to say, like the Top Gun stuff, and, and a little digitally, digitally, uh, they're very minor quibbles. Uh, it was overall a, a really great love letter to the genre. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually hoping that any success that this movie has inspires some Asian filmmakers to move forward with. Like the um, Death Kappa Two. <laughs> Get out! No pizza for you. Oh, <laughs> but like with with like the Guy King movie. Oh yeah, and yeah. The, like or like a, a live action Mazinger movie. Yeah. Or I mean, it, it, actually, I liked that Gigantor movie that came out eight years ago, however long it yeah. was. That was that was pre that was pretty nice. But just. Um, I would love, especially you know, with the cockpits and, and everything like that, and and everything that Brian was just saying. I mean, I just want to, I want to, I want to see those movies now, right? You yeah. know, and I want, I want to see people, Japan really I step up to the plate. I want to see them show Michael Bay how it's done, right? Yeah. Right. You know, really, it's like Transformers Four is coming out. Shoot Oof. me in the face. <laughs> what is happening? Well, like I was saying at the end, you know, after we got outside of the movie, we've got Toho with the Gotcha Band next month coming out. Sweet, in Japan. I want to see it. I want to see it. You know, uh, this there's, uh, oh my God, what is it? Battleship Yamato movie was actually really good. Was it? Yeah, I still haven't got it. Was a good. Copy of I did to see not it yet. see that. Uh, you guys are welcome to come over and watch it. 
done. The, yep. I had one last little little bit that is nagging me, and I don't want to lose it. Uh, and it, and it's going to be a little controversial. I, I I hesitate to even bring it up for fear that you'll get too angry. Oh, good. I'm not but really it's angry not gonna, at anybody. It's not going to be that bad. It, trust me, you'll be able to follow it. I'm just I'm I'm worried about his initial knee jerk reaction. This but uh, uh, having been in you know working in theaters for however long, uh, I was around whenever the American Godzilla came out. Mm-hmm. That's where I thought Kyle was going to get angry and leave. Um, but I, I saw... My nose bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> because you've drifted too much. Um, Is that what we're doing, Brian? Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, but when those trailers came out for Godzilla, there was three trailers, and each one audiences flipped out for. Like, packed audiences would flip out over them like regular people. And I remember seeing that thinking, like, finally... It's going to happen. Like, people are going to get to see a modern monster movie, and everyone's really excited to see the stuff that we all in this room love and is what, what your show's about. And obviously, Godzilla did not deliver on that. This movie did deliver on that exact, like, sense of excitement and that sense of genre. I think this is the kind of movie that people wanted to see and what they were excited for in those initial Godzilla trailers, which were awesome. But then when the movie came out, it was such a disappointment. This is the complete opposite feeling of that. Yeah, dude, I that's a great point, and uh, right. I totally agree with that. So, Mr. Tiger, final Yo. thoughts on this film? This is a really well-done movie. I haven't seen that many Del Toro movies. I've pretty much seen Pan's Labyrinth and the Hellboy movies. It's about it. Yeah. So, um, I can't really read it. I did love Pan's Labyrinth, though, so I, I don't think it can beat that. Um, but this is a well-done movie. I really enjoyed it, and I hope a lot of people get to see it. Would you tell all your friends to go see it? Do you think they'd like it? Yeah, I think a lot of people would. Very cool. Anyone could see it. All right, so uh, I'm going to final thought this off with just saying, clearly, this is my kind of movie, and this is uh, this is the movie that I was hoping for. I've read good things. I've read okay things about this film as far as like people's opinions, but... I have to say this movie had my expectations, or the previews had my expectations way up high in the air. I can't tell you how many times I watched the the WonderCon footage trailer and the 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 first teaser trailer that we got, and absolutely, without a doubt, this movie did not disappoint me as a hardcore kaiju fanatic. Sure, I would love to see more monsters. I would love to see more of the monsters and get a sense of what they actually can do and uh, see some some better uh, lit, I guess I would say, fight scenes. But not one time during the movie did I, did I have a, an actual complaint that would have lodged anywhere higher than a blip in my brain. And you, as the listener... I hope you have seen this. If if you're listening to this this podcast, this particular episode, if you have not seen this movie, please, please go see it. And I think it's in addition to entertaining fans of the kaiju genre, I think it really has a very high entertainment factor for people who are not fans of the kaiju genre yet. And those are my final thoughts. Is it too late to say spoiler alert? No, it'll be at the beginning. <laughs> it'll be at the beginning. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So uh, that that's that's uh, 
That's what I have to say. Thank you guys all for coming out to the screening, and thank, thank you, you for hanging out for yeah, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. We're recording this super early, so I guess what I'll have to say is here's what people have to say about that. First and foremost, I am blown away by the response to Pacific Rim. Well done to all who submitted your homework, and uh, but the record-breaking reviews mean I have to do some creative editing. It kills me, but I did my best to keep the reviews marginally intact apologies in advance uh seriously thank you all for doing it we're just gonna go ahead and jump right in with john who believes we have the movie we've been waiting for pacific rim delivers when he was growing up godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes were his greatest joy and uh, if he wasn't trying to find a kaiju movie to watch on tv he was probably watching force five which included guy king grandizer and dengard ace Del Toro has given us a kaiju slash giant robot movie that pays perfect homage to both of those genres and is an absolute blast. One major thing that John wishes was done different, John wishes was done differently was that the movie, it starts out very fast and the first monster is only about a minute in and it's now the famous shot of the kaiju attack in Golden Gate Bridge, uh, codenamed Axe Head, if you didn't know that. Uh, he says that he really would have loved to see that first attack play out in about a five to seven minute scene. That would have made it perfect. He doesn't think the additional time would have killed the movie. Um, but a legitimate question, did Legendary purposefully hold off on showing a scene like this since Godzilla will be trashing San Francisco next year? It is a good question, sir. Uh, the rest of the movie was pure gold. The special effects were beautiful. Every kaiju and every Jaeger were memorable and interesting, and there wasn't a bad shot in the film. So many times you see a bad effect, and it just takes you out of the movie. But Del Toro was able to make the action fast and still possible to understand what was going on in the battles. Hong Kong goes down as John's favorite battle involving kaiju. The acting was solid, and the characters colorful and entertaining. There was a nice chemistry between Charlie Hunnam and Rinko Kikuchi, when, uh, when Raleigh would call for a weapon like the elbow rocket, it put John right back in the Guy King cockpit calling for the electron chain. He loved it. John doesn't remember the last time he left a movie with the theme song stuck in his head like he did in Pacific Rim uh, with the title track. It was exciting and unforgettable. The story is simple and it makes it work. Everything scientific or technical is explained in a way you can just say, cool, I get it, and you move on and enjoy the rest of the movie. And although he's seen it in the theater twice already... John feels the need to check the pulse and see it again. It's blatantly obvious to J.R. Shear that writer Travis Beecham and director Guillermo del Toro have used their most likely illegal drift technology to sneak into his brain, copy his own personal happy place, and then put it up on the big screen in Pacific Rim. It absolutely kills Andy to say this, but he didn't really like Pacific Rim. Um, that is, that's the end. He doesn't say anything else. Uh, can we get someone to go check on Andy and Nynamo? Kidding. Kidding. Uh, Andy's okay, I'm sure. Andy never really got the sense that the Earth was in that much danger. They tell us that the apocalypse here and that humanity is decimated and we have to take their word for it because we aren't really shown any of the destruction. The kaiju seemed to be dispatched fairly easily, too. He loved the scene where the kaiju breaches the wall in Australia, but it is almost immediately killed by the Aussie Jaeger, Striker Eureka, uh, with a couple of missiles. We're never given the impression that the kaiju were such impossible foes that we needed to build the Jaegers if they could be taken out by current military firepower. There were parts of the film he really liked. The Battle of Hong Kong, Charlie Day, and Ron Perlman were fantastic as an interesting way to develop characters and give the Jaegers a little personality. 
and he really wanted to like this. He was so excited to see giant uh, city-smashing monsters on the big screen for the first time in years. It just didn't do it for him. A quick Kaiju 101 lesson, dinosaurs did not have two brains. This is an outdated hypothesis born from the misinterpretation of the hip bones of a sauropod dinosaur by a 19th century paleontologist, and also from the idea that dinosaur brains were too small for their large bodies. So a second brain would have been required. This is Kyle talking here. I follow Travis Beecham, the screenwriter, on Tumblr. Uh, You should, too. And he actually posted about this the other day and says, quote, Newt knows dinosaurs did not have two brains. The myth is that this is a myth that comes from a 200-year-old misreading of a cavity in the lower spinal column of the Stegosaurus, presumed to house a second brain for the supposed purpose of expediting reflex response time. Uh, it's one of paleontologists' more famously colorful misconceptions. In reality, dinosaurs did not have two brains and would not have needed two brains. But Newt isn't referencing real dinosaur biology here. He's referencing the famous myth as shorthand because its logic does apply to the actual animal in question. For the creature the size of a kaiju and many times larger than any dinosaurs, the nerve conduction velocity from the uh, tail to the head would be something of a problem. Now, just uh, we're talking about real-world techniques applied to a science fiction film, obviously, but uh, I would also just like to add Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 1993. You know, that's what they were destroying is like his secondary brain nerve cluster, whatever you want to say there. Uh, Anyway, moving on. Jason went to see the IMAX presentation of Pacific Rim last night with what ended up being a large group of friends. This conversation afterward probably tells you what they thought. Did you see that? A rocket punch! Yeah, did you see the Russians getting that guy in a headlock and punching him? The Crimson Typhoon did that cool get-on-his-head-and-throw-him thing. Best part, hitting a giant monster with a ship. Needless to say, Jason liked it. Jace, not to be confused with Jason, understands that Pacific Rim was undoubtedly loved by virtually all of us kaiju fans, and so there are, uh, and there are so many good things to say about it, but since everyone's going to be commenting on that, Jace would like to offer up some minor criticisms. Mako Mori's character is essentially blank. Clearly, she's amazing, jumping from trainee to kaiju killer in no time at all, but she spends a good bit of her screen time crying and being saved by men. What gives? We need more, uh, more female characters in any sequel. Mako had the makings of a great character. She just needed more development. I tend to disagree, but that's just because I've seen the movie four times, and she is my favorite character in the movie. Uh... He understands having to set the battles at night, but the couple of minutes or so of daytime action that we got blew Jace away. Something about the night scenes becomes disorienting, and he hopes that the upcoming Godzilla film does not repeat this mistake. That being said, this is one of Jace's favorite movies of all time, and we've entered a brave new world of kaiju films. Pete says, all you need to know about this movie is simply Pacific Rim is a blast. Do not overthink this film. Do not expect this movie to win any Oscars. Do not think this film will change your life. Just drive to the theater, leave your brain in the car, and enjoy the heck out of this movie. It gives him great hope for the upcoming Godzilla movie uh, that it can be done right. His favorite thing was the fight scenes. That's what most of us go to see these kinds of movies for. Big explosions and impossible situations. But unlike the forgettable Transformer movies, the action wasn't sped up to blur the rotten CGI. The giants moved with a weight and speed that was most that was both believable and uh, easy on the eyes. But Del Toro really seemed to slam the door shut on a potential sequel. 
Pete's wife leaned over as the credits rolled and said, here comes the hidden nest of eggs scene. It never came. Maybe the whole drifting with the kaiju will come back and bite humanity in the butt. Charlie and Bug wrapped up a perfect G-Fest weekend by going to see an epic giant monster film, Pacific Rim. Bug thought the movie was epic. He had never seen action in any kaiju movie like that ever. His favorite part was when Gypsy Danger cut the kaiju in half. I believe that was Raiju. And uh, he really liked the way that they rated the kaiju on a scale like tornadoes and how they showed that the robots aren't invincible and they can be destroyed or damaged a lot. He also really liked the comedy, like when they shot the kaiju with the flare guns and the post-credit Ron Perlman stinger. Charlie agrees. The visuals were spectacular. The story was fairly basic, but all it really needed to be, and the character development was a little predictable. But he's not complaining. Del Toro gave the film a perfect balance of action to make you feel for the people involved ratio. Would they recommend this to film to people who wanted to be introduced to kaiju movies? Bug says definitely, but is afraid that it might ruin the older kaiju films for the newbies. Charlie would show this film to anyone, end of story, kaiju or no kaiju, and actually had goosebumps thinking about the prospects for the 2014 Godzilla film while watching the effects work in Pacific Rim. So much potential, and he's hoping for the best. A solid 9 out of 10 kaijus smash over the head uh, with large seagoing vessels. And uh, the only reason it didn't get a 10 is because Kumi Mizuno wasn't in it. Brian notes that watching Pacific Rim is like going out to eat... Uh, when you've been craving a steak cooked well done. You go to the restaurant and order one, but you actually end up getting a medium rare steak. You're very hungry, so you accept it and start eating it anyway, and it turns out to be one of the best steaks you've ever tasted. It's not the exact type you wanted, but what you've been given still satisfies every craving you have, and you could only marvel at how delicious the steak would have been if it was made just as you wanted. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brian says that he's been craving a well done. See what he did there? Kaiju's summer blockbuster for as long as he can remember, remember, and Pacific Rim delivered pretty much every beat on that. He might have preferred it if it had taken place when the Jaegers were in their prime, getting to see more than the handful that were showcased here. But uh, what they did choose to focus on, the end of the long war with the kaiju, they did as well as he could have possibly imagined. Sure, anyone could play the prim and proper critic and find plenty of faults with Pacific Rim. But Brian had such a good time that the flaws were made irrelevant. This film feels like a godsend, the kind he would give whatever perfect score he could give if only he wrote movie reviews. It truly reminds him of why he adores giant monster flicks in the first place. Brady has to admit that he was fairly disappointed with Pacific Rim. There were just a ton of little problems that added up, and he didn't get, any, he didn't get anything out of the actors and did not care about a single character in the movie. They were well written, but he thinks that it was the acting that just didn't sell it. Even the great Ron Perlman was nothing more than an admittedly fun caricature. Brady got the impression that this was more a tribute to Gundam or Neon Genesis Evangelion than Godzilla, and thought there was no real suspense. Most Godzilla or kaiju films tend to build up a lot of suspense and dread before finally revealing the monsters themselves. Uh, in Pacific Rim, it's just from the opening credits, bam, monsters. Brady, I'm just going to respectfully disagree with you there, but... Uh, specifically in in talking about Godzilla films. But anyway, uh, despite those issues, Brady really enjoyed the action sequences and liked the idea that this is almost a sequel to the entire kaiju genre over the last 60 years, as if to ask, what would the world have been like had a Godzilla, a Gamera, or an Ultraman hold the endless uh, onslaught of monsters at bay? We get a very satisfyingly bleak but fun answer that thankfully sells the entire concept to Brady, 
and that makes up for its heavy flaws. Weber really enjoyed Pacific Rim. Kaiju and giant robots need me say more, but he wished they had taken a slightly different route, nixing the voiceover intro and just showed us the information. Like how the rationing of food was either shown via signage or it was in the dialogue. He's tired of big films wasting valuable time in this fashion. He also echoes the, I wish we had more time in this universe sentiment. It was densely packed and very enjoyable. Last but not least, since the kaiju attacks kept increasing, shouldn't Beckett have seen the aliens building more kaiju and having them ready and sort of on standby for the next assault? Seeing the aliens just kind of standing there was not a big payoff. On a scale, pun intended, of 1 to 10, Weber gives this uh, film, Pacific Rim, an 8. Daphne absolutely loved Pacific Rim. It was the movie she would have made as a tribute to kaiju films. It came off as such a sincere, heartfelt, and earnest love letter to giant monsters and also giant robots. She wishes we'd been able to see some more broad daylight views of the monsters, but that's her only complaint. She disagrees that it was a dumb movie. Uh, It's very intentionally calculated to invoke awe and excitement and the wonder we all felt as kids when we first got into giant monsters. So the plot moves quickly and we spend just as much time on each scene and moment as we need to before moving on. This actually replaced Cloverfield as her favorite modern uh, giant monster movie and she's going to support it as much and as often as she can. She'll have some awesome monster toys soon and is trying to make everybody go see Pacific Rim. A lot of mics this month. Nice job, Mike's. Um, As a kaiju fan, Mike liked it a lot. It is very much in the tradition of old kaiju movies. The Jaegers are built uh, true to anime-slash-mech traditions, each having its own special abilities that are activated with a stylized-slash-campy declarations from the pilots. There's even a Voltron moment when a huge sword is suddenly formed to create the killing blow. The monsters and robots look fantastic, but many of the early scenes are in some heavy rain that obscures some of the details, which might uh, have been to make things look more realistic. What Mike's, what surprised Mike was that the movie takes place well into the war of kaiju rather than focusing on the initial scramble to form defenses, kind of like starting into the Godzilla franchise late. Additionally, there's no real big villain uh, presence like in most kaiju films. We, here we have a more video game feel where waves of monsters are being released, each bigger than the last, creating a sense of impending peril, but at a sacrifice to the kaiju personalities. A poor trade-off. Lastly, there wasn't enough city carnage for his tastes. Even Cloverfield, with its constraints of first-person slash handheld camera style, conveyed a bit more of the city-being-destroyed feel than Pacific Rim. Overall, it's a must-see for kaiju fans, but anyone uh, should enjoy it as long as they are not searching for flaws. Johnny thinks that Pacific Rim was a blast and may have been one of the greatest non-kaiju, uh, non-Godzilla kaiju films ever. He was able to spot out several Godzilla references, keeping all the Godzilla films in mind, but they were minute and might not have uh, been caught by the untrained eye. The human characters aren't the best compared to other kaiju films, but are fun to watch. His biggest complaint is that some of the fights were way too short. Overall, the film is a must-see in the biggest way you can, and he gives this film 4.75 Jaeger versus Kaiju Battles out of 5. If you're listening to this and haven't watched it, what are you doing? Go to the closest movie theater and go watch it. And I would like to add there, what are you doing listening to this spoiler-inclusive podcast on Pacific Rim if you haven't seen it yet? Uh, moving on, Matt and his dog Ashley ask, did Pacific Rim give us what we paid for? Yes, we got to see giant monsters fighting, giant robots, but not much else. 
Mako and Stalker Pentecost managed to come in as real human beings, but the rest of the characters ranged from bland to, in the case of of the scientists, ridiculous. Pacific Rim is a missed opportunity. So much effort on special effects, so little effort on every other front. And as as of July 22nd, the box office numbers are disappointing. Oh, mighty Godzilla, you won't let us down next year, will you? Tom thinks that Pacific Rim had some flat moments, straight-up laugh-out-loud mistakes, and painful cliches. He can also see why this is not the kaiju film that will win over the non-believers out there. If you go in predisposed to think giant monsters are too dumb to watch, this film will give you ammunition to shrug and walk away. Not that it's a dumb movie. This was a well-crafted film. Even the pretext of two people needing to mind-weld to run a giant robot worked to add humanity and drama. Sometimes the acting was a little flat, and the characters were eye-rollingly comic bookish, but the film seemed to know when to pull itself back from the edge. Aimed at kids a little too much? Check. Huge plot holes and dubious moments? Check. Painful cliches that insult the intelligence of the audience? Check. I guess. I don't know about that, but, uh, but this was fun, fun, fun. Great-looking monster fights, good pacing, and mostly believable setting, and sometimes real pathos and drama, so you can occasionally suspend your disbelief. Check, check, check. Uh, Here's hoping we see more from Legendary better than this one. As good as it was, there is room to improve. Nicholas isn't much of a writer and usually just likes to listen to the discussions, but he had to say how much he enjoyed Pacific Rim. He doubted that this would be a good movie and didn't think a good giant monster film could be made by an American studio. Pacific Rim was a fun film with so many brilliant scenes. The uh, crowd Nicholas saw it with cheered more than a couple times throughout the film, and he's disappointed that it's not doing well at the box office because it deserves so much better than the numbers show. If we're lucky enough to get a sequel, it will do much better because this current movie will catch fire with a DVD-slash-Blu-ray release. All those who decided to skip Pacific Rim in the theater this time and wait for DVD will surely not want to make that mistake with the sequel. Thanks to Guillermo del Toro for making a movie kaiju fans can enjoy and watch over and over. Logan went and saw Pacific Rim in an antiquated old theater in the middle of Arkansas, and it was still amazing. The kaiju and Jaeger designs were phenomenal, and the storyline was rich and kept him enraptured throughout the film. Though he found the protagonist speaking to be awkward, and his two favorite Jaegers, Crimson Typhoon and Cherno Alpha, were destroyed within 20 minutes of their appearance, it's still one of the best films to come out this year. Even better, the film didn't have to be dubbed into English, and it is an excellent Western kaiju film. Logan would highly recommend it to both diehard kaiju fans and those looking to get into the genre, and believes that Legendary will do a great job with the new Godzilla film in 2014. Michael has been a fan of Guillermo del Toro for a long time, and a fan of kaiju films for even longer, so putting those two things together should naturally be like chocolate and peanut butter, right? The film buff and Michael just can't quite get over... Uh, The fact that while the characters are good in concept and are decently executed, it feels like there's just not enough time to get to know them. Perhaps it's that Charlie Hunnam and Rinko Kikuchi seem to be playing it too straight and subdued in contrast to the cartoonish way they were written. Or perhaps there are actually scenes missing, but regardless, it's a problem he wishes that he could let go of, but it nags the back of his mind. That being said, Michael loved everything else about this film, All other performances were spot on, and the world is rich and detailed. The action scenes are just gorgeous, and it's all around a really entertaining movie. Not to mention, it's a great example of why Ron Perlman is Michael's favorite actor. With the little screen time he has, he leaves a tremendous impression and completely steals every scene he's in. Michael would absolutely recommend this, not only to kaiju fans, 
not only to kaiju newbies, but also to people who enjoy big, fun movies in general. 8 out of 10. Jamie saw this movie when it came out on opening day, and what an amazing action-packed, fantastic time he had. He was disappointed to see that Crimson Typhoon, who had easily one of the best and most interesting designs of the Jaeger fleet, got taken down by a kaiju in less than five minutes during the Battle of Hong Kong. Jamie understands that from a story perspective, it was to show how much more powerful they were becoming, but it still bugged. Aside from that, this movie was great. It had fantastic acting, the special effects were amazing, and the kaiju were designed in such a way that Jamie was genuinely scared when he saw them, and therefore concerned for the Jaegers and their pilots. This movie had a really simple plot, giant monsters fight giant robots for the fate of humanity, and then later on we learn it's an alien invasion where the kaiju strip a planet bare. Rinko Kikuchi was easily the star of this film and uh, had a great story arc. The flashback in the Jaeger cockpit was genuinely scary because that is the ultimate nightmare for any child. A monster has come and taken away your parents, and now it's coming for you. I decided to add a little flair to that for you, Jamie. I hope you appreciate that. (laughs) Jamie loved the look of the Jaegers, especially Cherno Alpha and Crimson Typhoon. The homages to super robots from Japan like Geta Robo and Mazinger Z were great, and the good news is that a sequel has been announced. Jamie's so stoked for this movie and needs to see it again. Danny ponders how best to describe Pacific Rim in a way that won't take the entire runtime of the podcast. In short, this film was an amazing, breathtaking, awe-inspiring experience that he will never forget. Much like me, as in Kyle, all he needed to hear was that Guillermo del Toro is making a Monsters vs. Robots movie. And they instantly had Danny's attention and money. It is Del Toro's involvement that sets this film apart from just another creature feature. He's as big a geek as we are, and his respect for the genre is present in every frame of the movie. Just calling the monsters kaiju is huge, and his attention to maintaining a vaguely humanoid shape to the monsters is another attention to detail that uh, firmly places this movie in the kaiju yega genre. The kaiju are all beautifully designed, the Jaegers are simply awesome, and their sheer size is breathtaking on its own. Gypsy Danger has the simplest design of all the Jaegers, but is the most endearing of the giant machines by far, which is in no small part due to our connection with its pilots. The human drama takes far less of a backseat. He never lost interest in Raleigh and Mako's story. Idris Elba as Stacker Pentecost was completely compelling and powerful in his role, and Dr. Geisler and Gottlieb had a great and hilarious dichotomy. But Ron Perlman once again, stole the show with his gold shoes and all-around awesomeness. Here's hoping he's in the sequel. Danny doesn't think he's ever been this excited about a movie, and seeing it at the midnight screening with the other hollering kaiju fans at G-Fest was like a dream. Thank you, Guillermo del Toro, for creating an amazing film and a true rebirth of our favorite genre. Now, on to the real show in 2014. Mike from Germany says that Pacific Rim is quite possibly the greatest movie of our time. Disregarding the fact that it's a kaiju film for a minute, when was the last time we've seen a blockbuster movie with so much heart, attention to detail, and uh, jaw-droppingly spectacular action? The Lord of the Rings trilogy? Probably, though Pacific Rim blows even those movies out of the water. Uh, At a time where the soulless Hollywood machine shows fewer and fewer signs of originality, Pacific Rim is a shining light on the horizon that there are still directors with the same spark that once brought us iconic titles such as Star Wars or Indiana Jones. Guillermo del Toro proves that there can still be that sense of wonder amidst a barrage of explosions and CGI. It's a movie in which heroes are heroes without constantly having to walk on the gritty, mopey edge between light and dark. 
Mike loves the fact that the movie starts off long after the kaiju wrecked most of the coastal cities around the Pacific, since that's probably what next year's Godzilla reboot will focus on, and instead centers on mankind's last stand. Despite all the carnage and destruction, the movie still emits a strikingly positive tone, and instead of the usual, if mankind won't stop ravaging the planet, we're all going to die, it tells that if we set aside our petty political differences and work together, we can overcome even the greatest of problems. Pacific Rim is an insanely good movie that deserves way more than it's getting. Robert has been waiting for Pacific Rim his entire life. He saw this movie in extreme digital 3D. The screen seemed to fill his entire vision so that when the first images of the movie appeared, Robert felt like he was floating at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. It was like the movie was projected right onto his retinas, and when the kaiju appeared, he could barely contain his childlike glee. This movie hits on all the right beats. His favorite scene is probably when the young Mako is running through the Tokyo streets as the kaiju is chasing after her. What makes this movie work so well is the perfect balance between the awesome kaiju battles and the engaging human stories. The human story is so good because it carries elements of the original Gojira in its DNA. Think about this. Stacker Pentecost is a type for Dr. Serizawa, Mako is Emiko, and Raleigh is Ogata. And their emotional journey is the same, even if the exact character details are not. His kids loved it too. His nine-year-old said that was the most awesome thing he had ever seen. And Robert is 38 and shares the sentiment wholeheartedly. Adam says that Pacific Rim is a movie made of pure awesome. Both the Jaegers and the Kaiju were really nicely designed, and he loves that the Jaegers are so uniquely designed for their countries, like Gypsy Danger being painted to evoke World War II fighters. Also, it was great that the Kaiju are graded on a level scale not dissimilar to how hurricanes and tornadoes are ranked, and it was also very nice of them to call it the Sarazawa scale. Despite all the love for this movie, Adam has a few quibbles. Cherno Alpha and Crimson Typhoon not getting as much screen time as uh, before they're destroyed. He also felt like the scientists could have been turned down a notch. And lastly, the baby kaiju just felt like a deus ex machina. Thank you for using one of the most painful words <laughs> that I ever have to say every once in a while. Pacific Rim, definitely one of the greatest movies ever. Brad says Pacific Rim, the movie that made Gino look like the giant claw. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the Godzilla 98 movie is often referred to as Gino, or the design is referred to as Gino. G-I-N-O, it stands for Godzilla in name only. I know that most of you will know that, but I'm sure there are some that don't. So just wanted to say, Gino looks like the giant claw. <laughs> uh, he was privileged to be able to enjoy this with a theater of G fans in Chicago, and it was close to a religious experience. Bright, exciting, and loud. Cheers and laughters. Did the movie have flaws? Was it predictable? Sure. Fight scenes dark and rainy? Whatever. Filled with cliches? You bet. But for two hours, Brad was nine years old again and watching Godzilla Saturday morning and playing with his Shogun Warriors, immersed again in a, giant, in a world of giants both wonderful and terrible, all because of this incredible film made by a fan for fans. Thank you, Mr. Del Toro. Paul says that overall, Pacific Rim was a very good movie, but aside from Ron Perlman's memorable performance as Hannibal Chow, the main characters are rather bland. While the storyline contained enough material for a trilogy of movies... The film was well-paced, the kaiju were truly terrifying forces of nature, and the fight sequences were very well done. Steven thinks the Pacific Rim is without a doubt the most original summer blockbuster to come out in years. None of this year's can touch Pacific Rim for sheer originality, eye-stunning 
imagery, and emotional satisfaction. In lesser directorial hands, it has enormous potential to scream ridiculous, but Del Toro avoids all that by his deep world building. He and screenwriter Travis Beecham create a world just next to ours. Their dedication allows for many who have trouble suspending their disbelief to actually suspend it enough to go along for the ride. Stephen's 72-year-old father said afterwards, Wow, it's not my cup of tea, but it's really well done. And he didn't snark at the film during the entire viewing. So I guess that's impressive. <laughs> uh, Stephen's only quibble is with the dialogue. There are a couple of moments where uh, people do not seem to be listening and responding to other. Where Mako says, you're unpredictable to Raleigh. His response doesn't really speak to her concerns. Um, actually, I side, side note here. One thing that I didn't say in our Daikaiju discussion, uh, actual discussion, but now that I've seen the film four times, pretty much every time I see it um, since that first time, I've just been like, man, I wish that I could go back in time and say, hey, you guys, I will help punch up this script to make it a little bit better. Uh, and I really do think, I mean, I'm not a movie guy. I don't write stuff, but I really think that I could have lent a hand to make some of those awkward dialogue bits a little less so. Anyway, uh, once somebody has a time machine, they want to take me back in time so that I can edit that fixed point um, and, and unravel the universe. Let's do it. Back to Steven's review. He says, now the, ki- the, now the Kaiju and Jaeger action sequences were jaw-droppingly incredible. The pilot's efforts to make a human connection uh, brought him into the fight rather than merely watching the fight. When Mako cries out, for my family, Steven's heart soared and he was not alone. People cheered in almost every one of the screenings he viewed. Not only would he suggest a kaiju newbie to see this film, Steven has already brought newbies to see it and pushed everyone he can towards it. Harold saw Pacific Rim twice. This is a gorgeous movie with a nice balance of action and story. Harold's wife, Andrea, who's a very casual Godzilla fan, was pleasantly surprised at the human side of the story. She found it refreshing, and Harold did too. Yes, it's cliche in a lot of ways, but it also doesn't follow the typical cliches of modern-day action movies, where you know the main character will end up sleeping with the girl, and someone will be revealed to be the true bad guy all along, and there must be a convoluted twist ending that makes no sense at all. Not so with Pacific Rim, which is nice. A great line that stuck with Harold at the beginning, who says, but when you're in a Jaeger, you can fight the hurricane. And speaking of fights, they were for the most part fantastic and absolutely brutal and vicious. The only thing he wishes they did different was to back up the camera further away from the action so to fully appreciate the scope of the fight. Uh, A lot of the time, the action sequences tend to to be from the waist up and you lose that sense of scope. Harold just wanted to see more of this, but he still really enjoyed what he got. Lastly, there was a cool effect that Harold doesn't know if it's realistic or not. Mythbusters should try to do it. They like blowing stuff up. So if you blow up a nuclear reactor at the bottom of the ocean, would the force be great enough to displace that water, that much water, so that a fish could land on dry ground before the wall of water came rushing back? Who knows? So he says... But then Harold uh, later on posted this link to the KaijuCast Facebook page that basically sort of backed up that. Um, I'm not sure if the, uh, the megaton bomb thing worked out enough, and you know, the size of the bomb to the size of the giant bubble, but it's, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. So there you go. All that Harold knows is that you shouldn't detonate nuclear weapons in the ocean near Japan, or you just might mutate something into the king of monsters. P.S. Harold has Hannibal Chow's shoe, 
where should he send it? Garvis went and saw Pacific Rim not once, but twice. First time on opening night with his wife, and again almost two, le- two weeks later with a friend. He enjoyed the movie very much and thought the score was very fitting and that the acting was great. Tom had a blast seeing Pacific Rim at G-Fest, and it is a very good addition to the kaiju genre. His favorite kaiju is Knifehead, with Axehead being very close second. His favorite Jaeger is Cherno Alpha. The best fight was Gypsy Danger versus Knifehead. The best acted scene was Little Mako's scene in Tokyo. The best overall special effect was the realistic-looking water pouring off the movie's gigantic stars in the rain or when emerging from the ocean. The interior con pod scenes really lent a sense of drama to the action scenes. A few complaints that Thomas had were there were not enough daytime fighting. Uh, the short screen time given to Cherno Alpha and Crimson Typhoon. And lastly, the very underwhelming design of the Category 5 Kaiju. All in all, the best big summer movie released this year to date. Wow. Seriously, great job from everyone. I want you to know that even though I had to trim some of your collective comments, uh, I read through each and every one of those and really appreciate your efforts. Even the people that sent theirs in late and missed the deadline, I apologize for that. But this month is a pure gold example of why I need to have those deadlines. Uh, And then I need to have that extra time to do the editing and so forth and so on. Next month's film is the Korean movie, The Host. I know it's technically not a giant monster movie, but it's a strange beast, and it is from Asia. Uh, I would love to know your questions, thoughts, and reviews on this one, although I have not seen much in the way of extras uh, with the host, so I'm not sure how much knowledge I will have going into it. Make sure that you turn in your homework by August 23rd. Now, I need a break. I've been talking for quite a while. Even hitting pause a few times is pretty brutal, so... We are going to listen to the shortest track on the album. This is called 2,500 Tons of Awesome. Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. Now, I don't have a ton of news to talk about, um, but I do have... I feel like it's been a long time since we've had an actual news thing because we had a bonus episode with Stan Hyde and then the episode at G-Fest with the live panel, so there, there was obviously no news for those. So, here we go. Please tune in to our next episode to very specifically hear about San Diego Comic-Con and the Godzilla coverage therein. I'm very excited to be recording yet another bonus episode for you guys. So, that'll be at the very beginning of August. Um, 
And uh, speaking of Godzilla news, I guess during the Comic-Con, I didn't have a press pass, so I didn't get to go to this cool thing where Gareth Edwards talked to the press. But uh, essentially, he basically said that if he gets to do a sequel, he really wants to have it influenced by Destroy All Monsters, which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, seriously, this guy is saying some things that really make me think that we're in good hands. So hopefully we'll see more information coming out as the months continue and so forth, and that all of the Godzilla fans sort of rally together and, and that this movie deserves our support. Next item, I guess, is don't forget to pre-order your copy of Ultra Q from the Shout Factory. I'll have a link in the show notes to that. Or, you you know, get it from Amazon.com or wherever you want to get your DVDs from. But it'll be released on August 13th. So I've got mine already pre-ordered. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, moving on to our next item, Sci-Fi Japan TV has a brand new episode. It's called Ultraman in America. And it basically covers um, the three stars from Ultraman coming to Monster Palooza earlier this year. It's, uh, it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. There are some toy releases. Specifically, X Plus has a giant update. If you if you haven't been uh, following the X Plus stuff, or if you aren't in the X Plus group, the Facebook group that we're uh, that I'm a part of, uh, make sure you check the show notes for a link to that group. We have Mechagodzilla 74 in a hangar. Now, the Rick Boy, or the exclusive internet version, has light-up eyes and chest plate. There's a 65 1965 standing Baragon figure. Again, the Rick boy version lights up with the horn and the eyes there's a two-pack which is only the internet exclusive rick boy stuff of uh the 1966 godzilla and the ebera pack which i am looking forward to getting that is on my list i've already pre-ordered it and uh looking forward to that as well plus they're doing Varas from gamera and barabbas and king Saurus, which i believe are both ultra kaiju again out of my wheelhouse they've also uh followed up some information with painted versions. You can see painted versions of Pagos and Barabbas. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> uh, also in X Plus News, Wonder Festival 2013 announcements went up. Uh, they're doing a show exclusive Berugan from Gamera with light up spines. I think light up eyes, one of, one of the two, or maybe both. A Legion soldier pack for your Gamera 2 figure. So um, those are both extremely limited, of course, because they're at, uh, at, at Wonder Festival. Uh, X Plus is also releasing a 30 centimeter Kiryu Mechagodzilla from Tokyo SOS. This is the one with the sort of silver backpack. And immediately after San Diego Comic Con, Bandai sort of announced new monster arts figures that would be um, Godzilla 2000 and then the Heisei Adult Batra and the Adult Mothra as well. So those are those are pretty cool looking. Uh, in, in addition, speaking of you know new new items and stuff. We recorded some interviews at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, I've only posted the first two because they're both with the Diamond rep, Diamonds, Previews, Magazines kind of thing. I have another one from Bandai, so please check our YouTube channel for links to that stuff. Hey, guess what? I'm all done with all of my traveling. Uh, congrats to me for making it to all of those events that I went out to this year. It's awesome. So until I go to Japan later in October, I'm just here. I'm just here in Portland. <laughs> no need to leave. And then uh, don't forget to get your tickets for Rose City Comic Con, Portland's largest comic and pop culture convention that is in September of this year. If you're going to any of the shows that I go to, make sure you say hi. The, one of the coolest things about going to these conventions is actually having people stop me and being like, oh, hey, man, love the podcast or, you know, 
if they had something negative to say, I'd, I'd totally listen to it as well. But, you know, it's been really cool. Um, and to be perfectly honest, it's it's actually really uh, backing up my decision to do the podcast. So it, thank you so much for, for saying something to me when you, when you see me. It's really, really quite touching. Um, we are going to move on. I hope I'm not forgetting anything. This is a super long episode as it is. Uh, so I guess I'll finish things off by saying if you found the Kaiju cast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and you want to experience everything that is awesome about the Kaiju cast, whether it's the full episode list or our reviews that we've written, you know, I just did a Pacific Rim review recently, um, or the Daikaiju discussion schedule, just point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can pretty much see everything that we have going on. Eventually, <clears throat> that will include more things, but right now, that actually includes something very important, which is the Kaiju Core page. If you want to help support the Kaiju Cast in some way, there is an option for you, good sir or madam, as the case may be. Uh, there are several levels at which you can help support the Kaiju Cast, and because I'm not a jerk and I didn't want, want to just take people's money and just put it to the podcast, I decided to take some of the money that I'm going to get from this stuff and then invest it into cool patches, cool stickers, cool lanyards, stuff like that. Different levels will get you different things, so please check out the Kaiju Core page on the Kaiju Cast. Uh, there is no need for a link in the show notes because there will be a link at the top. Uh, of the page. If you're going to kaijucast.com, you can also see the links to our many social media websites and, and so forth. We're on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, like I said earlier, we have a YouTube channel where we post videos. Please do listen to us, um, you know, however you want to. If you listen through iTunes um, or on your, your iDevice, subscribe to us. Those subscription numbers totally help us out for stuff. Uh, if you're from the Zoom marketplace, same thing. And, you know, why not leave a review? If uh, if you have something cool to say about the Kaiju cast, please, you know, jot that down. Even if it's a quick sentence, I really appreciate that stuff. Uh, and it definitely helps us get up there in the rankings. And with people going to see Pacific Rim and looking for the word Kaiju, you know, we want to come up there in the, in the results and, and be awesome for everybody. If you don't listen through some sort of internet-enabled device or some sort of podcatching device, why not choose Stitcher? Stitcher is a is a is an app that you can get for your Android or for your iPhone or for whatever device you have. I think they have it on multiple platforms. That's mentioned a desktop version as well. And the KaijuCast is on there. Now, if you're not, you know, not a fan of Stitcher, that's cool too, because the KaijuCast is proud to be part of the Mediocre Radio Network. Now I have not done a these are the shows that I listen to kind of blurb in a long time. But the Mediocre Show is definitely in the top five podcasts that I listen to as soon as they're available for download. Earlier this year, they launched the Mediocre Radio Network, thanks to it, the uh, tireless efforts of not just the Mike Pilot, but also the Mediocre Nation. Not only can you listen to the Mediocre Show's uh, hundreds of hours of podcastry that they have there, uh, the network also streams Mike's podcasts, obviously oblivious, and Full of Sith, which is his Star Wars podcast, which is really crazy awesome. And if that wasn't enough, they stream episodes of The Geek Show, I Am Salt Lake, Tales from the Hard Side, Welcome to That Whole Thing, The South Philly Podcast, See You Next Tuesday, Big Shiny Robot, and Big Movie Mouth Off. And now they have added the Kaiju Cast to that programming, and I'm very proud to have the podcast associated with a, such a stellar quality entertainment. Um, 
Check it out at MediocreRadioNetwork.com. Now, I have been talking for what feels like a billion years, so we are going to close things out. Like I said, we are going to have a bonus episode, which is uh, sort of San Diego Comic-Con coverage coming to you as soon as I can get it online. We also have the next real interview episode will be with August Ragoni, hopefully, fingers crossed, because I want to talk to him about his involvement Specifically, I want to talk to him about his involvement with the Ultra Q disc and the Ultra 7 discs and basically his stuff with uh, Shout Factory. Basically, that's uh, that's what's coming up. Plus, dude, I have dudes and ladies, whoever's listening, I have tons of stuff that's sort of just sitting on a shelf getting, you know, waiting to, to get revealed to you. So we're going to close things out, call it a night, call it a month, actually. Uh, this is Adam Warrock's Gypsy Danger song which uh, he posted for free on the internet, which is awesome. So until next month, Jamata. Come